Well, uh, if you've ever coached a team, anybody out there been like a coach on a team before? Yeah, a few of you. If you've ever coached a team, like you'll know you, you always want your team to feel like every member of your team, you want them to feel like, hey, you're part of the team, right? You're, you're kind of, uh, you know, for lack of a better phrase, you're, you're selling that idea. You want them to feel like, hey, you're part of the team. You're significant. You're important. Um, you signed up and I, you're on my team or I you know, recruited you to be on my team. Um, and that's important. Every person on a team feeling like they're part of the team is a significant thing. I coached college baseball for seven years. And uh, you think once you get an adult, you kind of automatically think, well, I'm part of this. But no, no, no. You have, to, you have to encourage a college student. You're part of this. You are a member of this team. You have significance. And that kind of was our focus last week, the idea that you're valuable. You matter. You're significant. And we walked through that. If you missed that, that's the building block of what we're talking about this week. Because also, if you've ever coached a team, you'll know this. The next thing that's going to be asked that you'll need to figure out how to answer then is, well, what is my role and what is my purpose on this team? I'm part of it, but like, what's my role? Now, when I played, uh, uh, you know, when, when I played some ball before, there was times when I was not a starter, not a, a, what I thought was a significant role at the time. Maybe you come off the bench, maybe I was baseball, so you pinch hit here, or you, that kind of thing, defensive replacement, I was usually pretty good with the glove. Um, but you start asking that question, what is my role? What is my purpose? Why do I belong on this team? Why do I matter? And I think the same thing is just in general happens in life. We ask a question, what's my purpose? What is my role in life? But here's what I think we do most of the time when we evaluate or when we try to answer the question, what is my purpose? We start with things like this. What am I good at? How am I wired? Uh, how have I either got along up till now? Like, what have I done? What's my experience been up till now? And we put those things kind of together and we kind of, well, you know, I don't know, we mix them around and then we think kind of outshoots my purpose, my role. I'm going to challenge you that those things are involved. What are you good at? How are you wired? You know, what have you experienced in your life? They are not the starting point to understanding our purpose in life. Certainly not as believers in Christ. Our starting point is not there. Our starting point actually is in who God is. Who is God? What is, what is he even here for? Why does he even include us? in his, his glory of who he is. So here's what I want to do. I want to read you Psalm 57. Now, it could be, and I'm allowing this this morning, it could be that I read this psalm, and for you, that's all you needed to hear. Like the psalm itself, the scripture, the word of God, might be the blessing or the challenge or the conviction that you needed this morning, and maybe you'll mentally tune out for the rest of the 20 minutes and just focus on that. Go for it. If that's honestly you and where God is leading you, uh, that's, that's perfectly fine. If you sleep, don't snore because you'll distract the rest of us, all right? But if God leads you in that direction, please... But I want to actually break down just a couple things in this passage that I think kind of give us and direct us in this idea. Let's start first with God and then let him direct us towards purpose. Sound good? Well, I'm doing it anyway. So, all right. Have mercy on me, God. Have mercy on me because I have taken refuge in you. I take refuge in the shadow of your wings until destruction passes by. 
I call out to the Most High God, to God who comes through for me. He sends orders from heaven and saves me, rebukes the one that tramples me. God sends his loyal love and faithfulness. My life is in the middle of a pack of lions. I lie down among those who devour humans. Their teeth are spears and arrows. Their tongues are sharpened swords. Exalt yourself, God, higher than the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. They laid a net for my feet to bring me down. They dug a pit for me, but they fell into it instead. My heart is unwavering, God. My heart is unwavering. I will sing and make music. Wake up, my glory. Wake up, harp and lyre. I will wake the dawn itself. I will give thanks to you, my God, among all the peoples. I will make music to, uh, to you among the nations because your faithful love is as high as heaven. Your faithfulness reaches the clouds. Exalt yourself, God, higher than heaven. Let your glory be over all the earth. The word of God for the people of God. Is that an encouraging word to you this morning? I think more so than I'm wanting it to be an encouraging word, I'm wanting it to reset our hearts, our minds, and our focus on where we begin and how God then leads us to purpose. Here's the first thing I want you to know this morning. God has a purpose from you. There's no doubt. In fact, one of the top-selling books outside of the Bible, maybe you remember, do you remember the title of it? The Purpose-Driven Life. Yeah, hugely, hugely popular. God has purpose for you. But guess what? It's not about you. God has purpose for you, but it's not about you. In the sense of God is not going to start with you. He is going to start with himself and who he is and what he's about. That's where it's all going to begin. Take a look at verse 5. We just read it. Exalt yourself, God, higher than heaven. Let your glory be over all the earth. Now, there's a little translation note I want to offer to you here. Higher than heaven, it almost always, not always though, but almost always, often, most often, in the Old Testament, when the phrase heaven shows up, it's actually plural. It's heavens in the original Greek. We don't always speak that way when we talk, and so you'll see a lot of translators put it in terms of heaven. But this word in Greek, shaman, it basically means this. It's heaven, sky, earth. I'm Excuse me, air. That's what the word means. It, so the concept is this, is when I look up and I see the sky, the vastness of the sky, when I see how big it is, how glorious it is, how mysterious it is, how like the unseeable end to the sky. It's not the earth that's the largest thing I see. It's the sky is the biggest thing I see. When I look at that, I say, even that exalts you and gives you glory, God. The biggest thing I can look at and see with my eyes, that gives you praise and gives you glory, God. And that's what it's being said in here. This idea of who God is and the glory that he has offered. So look at Psalm 19.1. This is another psalm if you want to mark that and read the whole thing later. The heavens declare the glory of God. The largest thing I can see, the largest thing in front of me, declares the glory of God. This is telling us that if the sky, the largest, most vast and mysterious thing I can see, so should I. 
So should I look and declare the glory of God. Can I tell you that understanding what your purpose is starts with you understanding that we're here to exalt and to glorify and to lift up God. Now, I know for some of you, you think, oh, does that mean I have to sing a praise chorus just all day long, 24 hours a day? Because I'm not a big singer, you know. Um, Maybe if that's how you're designed, it's that we acknowledge in everything God is bigger. God is more significant than everything. So that's where we begin. Take a look at this. Uh, If we live as if God exists to glorify us as the center of the universe, we will not understand his purpose for us. You see, because I think that's kind of how we're wired. In fact, parents, I think we inadvertently sometimes, we actually condition our kids that way. We start with, who are you? What do you like? What are you about? What are you good at? What interests you? All are significant questions in the process. But where we want to start is, who is God? What is God about? How do I get on board with what God is doing? And then in that, God starts to reveal to me, how can I carry out and be a part of his plan in my own unique way? Can I tell you something? Um, I'm a, a pastor now uh, of many years. Do you, do you know that? I, I didn't know. Yeah. No, no, it's legit. Um, that's why they put me up here every week. <laughs> so I don't just play one on TV. Uh, so I, I, I was early on when, when I was a youth pastor, and, and, and very early on, um, every time I took a, a, one of those personality tests, you know, you know, I don't like those things, do you? Um, yeah. I would get introvert, right? Anybody out there introvert? You get this every time you take one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah. Um, So like some of you, I'll I'll just be blunt with you. Some of you, like when you raise your hand, I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. I get it. Yeah, I I see it, my interaction with, like, I got it, right? But you know that when I talk to people, when I tell them I'm introvert, they go like, no, I don't believe that. Because you will see on Sunday morning, like, I love standing at the door. And, and greeting you on, on the way. In fact, it's the number one way I kind of remember you're here, you know, on Monday is because I've greeted you out the door. I don't do a good job memorizing faces this way. Um, the interaction, the constant uh, talking and being with people over the course of the week. But here's what I've learned. It doesn't matter if I was introvert, extrovert, what those tests say. When I felt like I discovered like who God is and what he's about, making himself known to other people, people coming to know him, I'm like, I want to be on board with that. How do you want me to do it, Lord? And God said, well, I want you to do it as a pastor. And that means there's going to be times where I use you in an extroverted way. And so God has done it over the course of time. Now, that doesn't mean on Friday morning I want to hang out with you. I might want to be alone because the introvert is there. But God says, I'm going to use you this way, but it started with knowing who is God and what he's about. And that's how God leads us and guides us. And now, like, I don't even think about whether introverted or not. I just know I get to get on stage and I get to share with you. When I go to the gym, I get the opportunity to open my mouth up to share with somebody in a totally different setting that doesn't involve a pulpit. 
And then there's times where you come and you sit and talk to me maybe, and I get the opportunity to talk and help you through and open up God's word, but it starts with him. What does that look like for you? Have you ever considered starting with exalting God, who he is, and what he's about? Well, that's the beginning of purpose. The second thing is God has a purpose for you, and guess what? It's mostly about what he's doing in you. Uh, what does that mean? We often think about what God is doing for us, or sometimes we think of do, what he's doing to us, right? Why does God keep doing this ever, you know, to me? You know, did I do something wrong? Is there a hidden sin? Does he just not like me? You know, th- those kind of things. Or what is he doing for me? He's blessing me. Oh, I thank you for the blessing of God. I've got good things going on, you know, that kind of stuff. But God's purpose is mostly about what he's doing in you. You see, it's not trans, a transactional relationship. You know what a transactional relationship it looks like? That I will do for you so that then you turn around and do for me. And then if you do for me, um, maybe we'll have another transaction down the road. If that's, like, if it's worked out and what I did for you is kind of of equal value, what you turned around and do for me, um, good, we're a square, and maybe we'll do another transaction down the road. Can I tell you that transactional relationships will kill a marriage, will kill a marriage. Now, that doesn't mean that not, there isn't transactional uh, times within our marriages where I say, like, like we, we, we did this thing a couple times, and I, I hate to say it didn't last, but uh, the idea of we're going his and her store. You know, have you ever had a date night like that where you said, we're going his and her, we'll go to your store, and you can show me everything you like and want me to see in that store, um, and I will show interest hard, and then, and then we're going to my store, and, you know, like, like that was kind of a transactional date night. You know, we'll go to your place, we'll go to my place. That's not how our relationship with God works. It's not like if you will come to church four times this month, right? Do you know that the average church attendance for regulars, do you know what it is? 1.8. 1.8 is the average for regulars. These are people that say, yeah, I have a church. I go regularly. 1.8. That's not even half the time. Could you imagine showing up at your, you know, sending your kids to their sports practice 1.8, you know, times <laughs> to practice? You would not be on the team anymore. So anyhow, so side note, sorry. Um, but it's not that if I go four times this month, then God will do this for me. That's a transactional relationship. God's purpose for you is about a transformational relationship, that I come to him, I exalt him, I offer myself, and then you know what he does? He receives me in, super amount of love, but he says, now, I want to build within you what I've designed you to be. It is almost like what I am saying when it's a a transformational relationship is, I can't become that on my own. I, I can't really be that, that what you've designed me to be or have that purpose on my own. I need you, God. And so I start with exalting, and I come to him, and then I let him transform me. But when I come to him, the psalmist tells us I have to take refuge in him. Take a look at it. We'll read it again. Um, have mercy on me, God. Have mercy on me because I have taken refuge in you. I have taken refuge in the shadow of your wings until the destruction passes me. Lord, I am with you. Man, life hits hard, does it not? In so many ways, it hits hard. We find our refuge in God. 
And so that's what the psalm is saying. I first, I come to you, and I'm, I'm finding myself in you, surrendered to you. Now, I think about refuge and destruction, right? And when I consider the context of the Old Testament and of Psalm, I think there are a couple times where things happen. There's destruction came on the people of Israel where it probably was not their fault. It just came up. But do you know what the overwhelming amount of times, uh, how the story goes? It was their issue. The destruction came not because some outside force just decided, you know, let's go cause some havoc. It was because they decided we're not going to take refuge in God. We're going to go do our own thing our own way, right? We're not going to care so much about God's law, which they were living under. And so the destruction is not from others, it's from themselves. Does this feel familiar to you ever? Do you look on the moments or times of your life and you think, if I was honest, if I evaluated that honestly and really objectively, I would say, man, I caused some issues for myself. Some choices or thoughts, some, some things I called wisdom that in hindsight I would say that was stupidity. But when we refuge in the Lord, that's where it starts. God finds a way to just turn these things around. And the destruction passes, even the stuff I bring upon myself. Listen to this. God is more interested in developing your character than your comfort. Do you know that? In fact, God's not looking just to say, I just want to make this Christianity thing as easy and as smooth as possible for you. I want it just to be joy and peace every moment of the day, at least not joy and peace in the way we often define it. God says, I want to build who you are. Do you know what happens when a, when a precious metal, when it's purified? Um, do you know what it involves? Yes, heat, fire. In fact, we get some of these references in the Bible about this when, the, when a term for fire is used. We analyzed a couple of them this past Wednesday in our Revelation study. This idea that the impurity has to be burned off. And so there's heat. Now, I don't know about you, um, but when heat comes on me, uh, it also involves pain, right? Um, every year, this time of year, I will go out one day not remembering we're now into the sun time and the outdoor weather, right? And eight hours later, I am fried. And then I remember, oh, sunscreen exists. I need to think about that this year, right? Every year this happens, and it involves pain, right? There are times where God wants to build our character, but in that process, guess what he's got to do? He's got to burn off some impurities, he has to help strip away some things that are keeping us, that are keeping us from our character being built. In fact, comfort is often one of them because we strive so hard to be comfortable. I don't want to be uncomfortable. And so there are times where God can't build our character because he wants to deal with the thing that's preventing us from having his character. And it's an impurity. Here's the third thing uh, in this, and you're going to find there's so much more in this passage. I encourage you, you could dwell on it every day in your, your quiet time. Uh, that would be a good one. But here's the third thing. God has a purpose for you, and if you're surrendered to it, he'll fulfill it. 
You know, it makes for a great movie, maybe a great TV show, a great motivation, maybe a great poster, that if we just tell our kids, listen, anything you work hard for, you can do. Anything you work hard for, right? You can accomplish it. But in reality, that's not true. Now, it's, we're not telling people, don't work hard for something, don't set your mind to something. You know, certainly we can accomplish more than we sometimes think we can accomplish, so go, keep going at it. But here's what we learn here. When we surrender to God, the purpose God has for us will be fulfilled. That God can fulfill that in us. But it's God is saying is, you want to do it on your own? Go for it. Tell me how it works out. But if you want to surrender within me, then I will help you fulfill your purpose that I have for you, what I've designed you for. The second verse of our passage, God will fulfill his purpose for me. You know what I like about this passage for me? When he says for me, it's this. Most of the times, especially in the New Testament, when we have a passage, uh, sometimes when it says you or those type of things, most of the times it's corporate. It's kind of talking about the whole church or the body of believers. But here, it's perfectly singular. Like the psalmist is literally meaning God looks at me, even me as the individual, and he wants to fulfill his purpose within me. And so he does for you, and so he does for me also. God has this purpose for you. We don't create the purpose, though. Like, we don't create it and then go to God and say, hey, God, I got this purpose. Will you rubber stamp it for me? Will you kind of, you know, accept it? You know, that, it doesn't work that way. He has a plan for us, and we find it when we surrender ourselves, and then we accomplish it in that surrender as well. So parents, an encouragement, it's, it's not, what do you want to do or be? It's, what has God designed you to do or be? And how do I know that? When I surrender before him, I exalt him, I take refuge in him. Everything in our culture pushes us for us to be the center. Everything. Every commercial you watch, you're the center. That's why you need to buy the product, you know? You're, you're, you're going to be of more value. What you think, what's best for you, that little phrase, you do you, it's all focused that way. In reality, God is saying, come to me first, and I will then show you exactly what I've designed you to be and do. Can I tell you uh, something that I think stumbles us a little bit on this? I don't know about you, but I like things to be resolved about that fast. Do you? Like when I don't know the answer to something or when there's a little relational headbutt, um, I want it to be about that quick. In fact, if, if you ask me what's one of the key differences between you and Sheree, I would say she wants to process out those resolutions. I just want to throw the first good answer that pops in my head and say, that's the resolution. You know? And I've had to learn over the course of the marriage, sometimes the best thing, Tom, for you to do is just be quiet and let your wife process. She always comes back to saying, now let's talk about it, and we find resolution, if, if it, whether it's between us or on an issue with our kids or whatever the case may be. Um, 
And that, I think, is the trip up sometimes with, with our purpose in God. I want to come to God in one prayer session. I want to say, Lord, I surrender to you. What's my purpose? And then I want to open my eyes and like I want to, you know, I don't know, see a poster that says it or something right there. And it'd be done and it's over, right? But God builds this in me day after day after day. And eventually, because of my surrender, because of my refuge in him, I start to see things the way he sees things. And then I start to analyze, what should I do and be based on who he is and what I'm seeing? Only when you say, I don't want to be the sinner, will God reorder things to fulfill his purpose in you. Or let me say it this way. Make yourself the sinner and nothing will work for you. Make God the sinner for your universe, and all is realigned for God to fulfill his purposes in you. That's what he wants to do. So here's the takeaway this morning. Let me give you a paragraph. I just wrote it out, and I just thought sometimes uh, I feel like God, God kind of said, hey, here's what I'm giving you, and I think, well, I'll remember that. Right? And then I get up here and I preach, and at the end of the sermon, I go, like, ah, I forgot that. So I'm writing this out word for word for you this morning. Here it is. God has a purpose for you. He really does. He wants to use you to exalt his name in the earth, and he wants to teach you to exalt or to trust him. Whatever situation you find yourself in right now, know that it's okay, even good, to pray for God to change the situation. Nothing wrong with that. But God's first purpose in you would be that you would be able to pray, God, glorify your name through me in this. Help me know you more. That's the beginning of purpose. That's the beginning of understanding how and what he's designed you for is when I start by glorifying him and seeking to know him more. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray for you this morning because I'm going to guess maybe for you, especially if you're younger and you're not quite sure where you're headed in life, but I spent enough time for people my age too that are like, what am I doing in life? So I'm going to give you just a moment during this prayer time that you would just kind of go to God and do your own business with however he might have hit you this morning with this passage or our talk. So let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, that we find value and meaning. We matter because of you. But Father, help us to understand it even goes further than that. We find purpose, our design, our character in you as well. And we can't, not outside of this, we can't, not as believers, really find our purpose that you have for us if we detach it from you, Lord. So, Father, now listen to our heart in whatever way we need to share with you. Lord, you might hear some crying out to you or some confessing to you or some just seeking you. So, Lord, listen now as as we pray. Lord, thank you, thank you for what you do. Father, my prayer is, Lord, that you would reveal and offer revelation to 
everyone in this room, everyone online, everyone who's seeking you, who's seeking refuge in you, Lord, that you will show what is your purpose. Lord, how have you designed each one of us? And now how do you want to lead us forward? Transform us where we need to be. Father, if there are impurities that we're holding on to, maybe because they bring comfort to our life, Father, may we release them to you and be purified within you. We pray in your son's name. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, you'll notice last week and this week is kind of a two-parter that works together. And so I want to encourage you, uh, if you have a, a friend, a family member, somebody who you're like, yeah, this is kind of a core issue in their life as well, start with last week. Maybe encourage them. You can always go to our website for the audio or the YouTube for video of the teaching, and you can just send them uh, the, the, uh, the link for that. And uh, let them, let them kind of walk through it. You know, maybe after you know they've had a little time, you can follow up and say, "Hey, what'd you think about that?" Um, and open up dialogue. It's a good way uh, to get it going. Now, hey, next week we're stepping off. We're done with this series, um, and then we're going to come back and do some some uh, exegetical study where we've been walking through verse by verse. But I'm excited that next week um, you get Pastor Reese to to share next week. Uh, so I never get that cheer. I meant next week I'll be teaching. That's fake. That's, that's all fake. That's, you can could, you could tell by kind of the, the, the tone. That's totally fake. So, all right, we'll go with you. So, um, but oh, we're looking forward to that uh, next week in Matthew 11, right? Yeah, so get a head start. Read Matthew 11 uh, next week. And uh, I'll be away. I, uh, my uh, middle son graduates from Indiana Westland next week, uh, which you might guess is in Indiana, so I won't be here. Yeah, yeah. so I'm looking forward to it. He'll be back uh, for the summer. He's already taken a job, so, um, so you can congratulate him uh, then. So we're looking forward to that, um, but I'll be gone. And so uh, we'll have a, a good Sunday. Pastor Reese has been prepping, and, and uh, I think I told you before, like, Pastor Reese doesn't just, like, read a passage and go, like, I think that. The, the Bible study tools he's using, the websites, you know, are things that... Um, you know, I'm using in my doctoral studies, so, uh, so they're, they're good. He, he digs in there. So I look forward to that next week. Good week to bring a friend. What's that? Okay, all right. I'm, gonna just, I'm just going to assume it was positive. Uh, all right, a few announcements uh, before we get out of here. Tomorrow morning prayer text, uh, let us know.